Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. Our guest this week is Wells Kaufman, who is the president and CEO of Ravinia. Hello, Wells. Hello, how you doing? Great. Tell us about, uh, for those few people in the world who don't know what Ravinia is, uh, <laughs> tell them about Ravinia, because you guys are amazing. Well, thank you very much for saying so. I appreciate it. We are America's oldest summer festival. We were built in 1904 by a train company as an amusement park. Um, But very quickly after that 1904 opening, uh, music took root, first primarily with opera, all the way up until 1931. And then the Chicago Symphony Orchestra began uh, what is the longest-running collaboration between a festival and a symphony orchestra in the world. They started in 1936, coming to us on a regular basis for a few weeks every summer. Uh, this is their 74th consecutive year, and we're very proud to have them as the crown jewel in the firmament of, of artistic presentations that Ravinia does. We've always been a mixture of classical music and then almost anything else that you might imagine in the performing arts world, dance, uh, straight theater, Shakespeare, Shaw, uh, modern work, uh, world music, jazz, folk, blues, pop music, um, all over the map, really. Um, and that's been, I think, our strength, that variety of programming, the flexibility of programming to uh, try to bring to our, our audience um, as much variety as we possibly can, and especially today when Americans, even more than any other culture, though this is true of, of virtually every place in the world, um, people consume their artistic delights in a much more varied way than they ever used to. It used to be that someone was a classical music person, someone was an opera person, someone was a dance person, someone liked museums, somebody liked to go to theater. Today we're much more omnivorous when it comes to our, our consumption of the arts, and Ravinia is really um, perfectly poised to bring people uh, a palette and a, a sort of smorgasbord of, of possibilities. Um, and we do really good dining, too. Uh, uh, wonderful restaurants, uh, wonderful price range of possibilities from uh, hot dog to white tablecloth uh, possibilities. And we've been able, through the great support of and, and uh, smarts of the Ravinia board and the Ravinia family, to keep the, the place accessible from a price point point of view as well. Um, and that train company that created us, the train still stops at the front door. So sure from does. a public transportation point of view, it's pretty pretty ideal. And I counted, if if my math is correct, that this summer you're doing 79 days of events. That sounds about right. It's 118 total individual events, but on several days we have three things going at the same time. So um, that sounds about right. About 80, 80 to 90 days is usually what our duration is. Um, I don't know if it's global warming or just the weather changes, but June, uh, this is my 10th summer, and June has been cold and wet the last 10 years. So we pulled some of our presentations out of the month of June um, because we found people just weren't coming because it didn't feel like summer yet. And we have instead doubled and tripled up some presentations uh, using all three of our theaters in August. Yeah, because a lot of people might not be aware that most of your programming is outdoors. That's correct. That's right. I mean, you have this beautiful pavilion, you know, with a with a with a top on it, but it's still open air. That's correct. And that's then you right. have the lawn, and what's so cool about the lawn, you can see one people, one group with a little picnic basket, and the next group they have the 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 butler with the champagne who's pouring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really amazing. That's right. That's right. 
and yeah, you've pretty, added you've added those two uh, big video screens uh, that that uh, that help the people on the lawn really get to enjoy the the, the programming. And the, yeah, they're giant screens on either side of the pavilion stage, um, and they do help people have a greater sense of intimacy. The the pavilion seats about thirty two hundred people, which by outdoor venue, venue standards, is, is fairly intimate to begin with. Um, Tanglewood's about 5,000, the Hollywood Bowl's 17,000, uh, Wolf Traps about 6,000, 9,000, something like that, Chesting Park in Atlanta is about 7,000. Um, but the screens allow people, especially with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra concerts, a chance to um, have a more connected experience with individual musicians of the orchestra. And we know that when people are wondering about sound quality and, and acoustics, that if they can see where the music is actually coming from, from that flautist, from that oboe player, from that French hornist, from the, a violinist, um, they're having a better uh, audio experience as well. Yeah, and, and I've noticed that the, the video work that I saw last year was terrific. It really I mean, is it, good, it, isn't it? We, yeah. we were able to engage some camera guys from uh, WTTW and other places, uh, real pros, and um, you know, it was the first summer we did it, so we thought there might be some bumps in the road, and in fact, the only bumps came from folks who just are, are as most human beings are, just nervous about change of any sort. And we understood that, and we were prepared for that, we knew that was coming. I would say um, maybe 2% of the audience felt a desire to communicate with me about how much they hated the screens. Most of those people... Um, 99% of that 2% at the end of the summer said they, they can't imagine Ravinia without the screens now. So um, we're very happy that that changeover happened, including some critics, including some uh, classical radio people um, who just were very, very wary of the whole thing. And I understand why. You know, no one wants to, to, to do too many gizmos and too many gadgets and too many... But I think um, you did it with, I think you did it with taste. You, know, you, didn't, you didn't like put one on every tree and things and you know, overkill it. <laughs> I, think it I, was, I was thinking about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we actually have experimented with a uh, giant screen on the lawn itself as well. You're right. You can see bits of the, the screens in the pavilion from the lawn. But there were, I think, seven performances last summer, and there are a similar number this summer where there actually is a screen on the lawn. Yo-Yo Ma's Silk Road Experience, our gala celebrating Steve Sondheim's 80th birthday, um, Counting Crows. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, variety of others. So we're, we're, we're not going full tilt with the screen on the lawn yet because we don't, quite frankly, know where to put it. So we're experimenting yeah. with locations. Yeah, it, I um, could see that. And, and you've you got to be very careful with these things. It's very expensive to do this work, but I think it is a wonderful new addition to um, the park itself, not unlike the, the new dining pavilion that we put up in 2007, also enhancing people's experience. And we know that for folks that come to Ravinia, sure, it's the big star names that draw them. But at the second thing is the, is the venue itself. It's beauty, the yeah. trees, the sculpture, all of those kinds. You're of up things. in Highland Park in in God's country, up on the North Shore, <laughs> and yeah, it it is really is an amazing experience. And and the food is terrific. It's it's really taken a radical leap upwards, hasn't it? I'm glad to hear you say that yeah. because. Uh, you know, it's not every board of trustees that has a dining committee, but we do, and they take it extremely seriously. Um, used to be this group of people were primarily tasters of new menu items. This group now, uh, run by the former CEO from Kraft Foods, has taken a, a, a very um, analytical financial look at things as well as the, the cuisine itself, and things are going very, very well in that regard. 
Well, let's get into the, to, uh, uh, some of the programming. But before I do, uh, you and Ravinia are very much committed to educational goals, particularly about classical music and, uh, and jazz and some of the others. Tell us about that. You have this one score, one Chicago That's right. program. That's right. We have a, a variety of programs and a variety of genres of music and um, uh, uh, reaching children at various ages. One Score, One Chicago is, is uh, nothing more than a blatant ripoff of One Book, One Chicago. It's a focus on a single piece of music, a masterwork of classical music um, that we hope in, creates a, a citywide, regionwide dialogue about music. And it's been very successful from the very beginning. I think the first work we focused on was either the Dvorak New World Symphony or the Berlioz Symphony Fantastique. I can't remember. One of those two pieces. And um, we've done some piano works. We've done um, some vocal works. And this summer, it's Mussorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition in um, its two most famous um, uh, versions. The original version, which is a piano solo piece that, in fact, opened our season last night with an astonishing uh, young pianist, uh, uh, Nobuyuki Suji, and will be played again by Vladimir Feltzman first weekend of July. But we're also doing what's probably an even more famous version of it, and that's uh, Maurice Ravel's orchestration of pictures in an exhibition. Many people don't know that there are about 15 different orchestrations of pictures, but the most famous one is the Ravel, and that will be... Yeah, that one, that's the only one I know. Uh, well, I used to work for a conductor who loved to do uh, a Russian composer's version. He felt that it returned the sort of virile muscularity and, and vulgarity even of, of the original piano version to the orchestra, that, that the Ravel kind of smoothed it out and prettified it. I think the Ravel is magnificent. Yes. There are also some composers who like to take the 15 or 16 different orchestrations and do a different orchestration of each of the individual pieces as you go through uh, the cycle of the pictures. Uh, Leonard Slacken has been doing that for years, and it's interesting to hear these things back-to-back and what other uh, orchestrators think of the music itself. But Great you, you also uh, do uh, uh, jazz uh, mentoring. That's right. That's right. Tell us about um, that. Ramsey Lewis and Zarin Maida, my predecessor, and Reginald Jones and members of the Chicago Public Schools Music Administration created the Jazz Scholar Jazz Mentor Program, which is um, where we audition the finest young, promising high school jazz musicians in the city and then bring to them uh, some of the most extraordinary professional players in the city um, to mentor them throughout the year. And these kids are just astonishing. We uh, bring them out to play as often as we possibly can, and they're going to play at Ravinia. they always do, and they're going to play at Ravinia next Boy, what week, a, or week after, I believe. Wow, what, um, a, what a great program for, for kids. Can you imagine what, what you could learn from those guys? Wow. Well, it's, you know, I was, very for, I was a jazz pianist in high school, and we didn't have a program exactly like this, but I had a teacher in high school who felt it was very important for us as often as possible to play with pros. So she brought Buddy Rich in, she brought Louis Belson in, she brought Maynard Ferguson, wow. Chuck Mangione, and Oscar Peterson in to work with us. Um, for a full day. We just rehearsed all day, and then we would play a concert at night. And, you know, it lifts your standards like you can't believe because the pressure is so uh, gigantic. But you learn things in that one 24-hour period that you wouldn't otherwise. And these kids, uh, the discipline is huge. They work. They practice very, very hard. They get together a lot. We just extended that program from what had been about a four-month 
program to a full year-round program, and the difference in playing is is just astonishing. They were good before, but they're really amazing now. Well, that's got to make On the kind of other feel. end of the spectrum with classical music, um, we have what we call our Reach Orchestra, and this is influenced by the El Sistema program out of Venezuela, which is about bringing choral music and orchestral music to kids, but not bringing it to them. It's them actually doing it. Um, so you could say it's kind of like uh, a bolder version of Suzuki because you literally thrust the instruments directly into the children's hands and they begin playing immediately, not hours in the practice room, not years of, of private lessons to begin with, but instant um, connection to the instrument and the music making. And it's astonishing what happens. This has been going on in Venezuela for over 35 years. There are several examples of it throughout the United States, largely being driven these days by the star power of the new music director of the Los Angeles Philharmonic, Gustavo Dudamel. Um, so we've got the jazz program, which is really high-end and, and you know almost ready to be pros, young musicians. And then we've got these 8- to 12-year-olds who are given a viola and instantly start playing. And you know it doesn't sound like the Vienna Philharmonic to begin with, but I heard them play a concert uh, in May, and they had just begun this program, I believe, in January. And it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, one of the things that we're always wringing our hands about in the classical music world is audience. Where is the audience going to come from? Are the audiences dwindling? And there's so many reasons for why we are where we are today. Um, but what we know is that 70% of people that buy tickets to classical music concerts at one point in their lives played an instrument or sang. I, so, I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Yeah, it's a huge number. And it kind of makes sense. You know, I was yeah. talking to a... Uh, a, a new colleague the other day, and we were talking about that particular statistic, and he said, well, you know, sort of like my daughter's playing soccer and my son's playing Little League. They're all going to be baseball and soccer pro ticket buyers in the future because they have a direct connection to it. Um, they know what it is, and they have a respect for it that's different. So um, we're doing everything we can at Ravinia to make sure that we're supporting um, the programs, and they're excellent programs in the Chicagoland area that, that uh, teach uh, music to children, whether it's the Music Institute of Chicago or the Merritt Music School or the Midwest Young Artists um, or this Reach Orchestra in Albany Park at Hibbert Elementary or the jazz program um, or our conservatory in North Lawndale, which is the other big aspect of our education efforts, which is truly bringing great music and teaching to a uh, community that otherwise wouldn't have it. And that's been going on for over 10 years. Wow. Long. See, now, most people aren't aware of that. I wasn't yeah. aware of that. I'm so glad that you're articulating this because... You know, you, you hear that. What are what are these institutions doing to, you know, to help the next generation? Boy, you guys are doing a lot. Well, and we're lucky in Chicago because we've got about 35 music partners in the city, all of whom are doing their best to bring to the Chicago public schools and other schools as well as much music as possible. There are over 160 arts partners in the Chicago public schools, museums, theater companies, dance companies, music organizations um, bringing as much as they possibly can to, you know, a school system, and not just in Chicago, but countrywide, a public school system that doesn't have um, either time in the school day or the resources to bring the classical arts to children. So um, we're, we're doing as much as we can to make that work. Thank God for that. So let's talk about some of the, uh, the, the great uh, programs you have coming. Uh, I guess first we should cover some of the theater-oriented, since that's my main audience. Sure. And uh, I see you have the, the, the big tribute to Stephen Sondheim as he turns 80. Tell us yeah. about that. It's what, the 31st of July? That's correct. Yeah, Saturday night, 7 o'clock. Get your tickets now. And <laughs> Well, yeah, you best get them. And so uh, 
uh, it's all music of his. You you have some of the stars, Patty Lapone and George Hearn and others coming in, right? That's right. Uh, what what this evening is going to be, and there have been tributes to Steve in this 80th birthday year all over the the, the country and the world. There are three of them in New York already. Um, one at the New York Philharmonic, one at City Center, and there's a new Broadway review going on about Steve and his life. Yeah, I've heard that's supposed to be very good. It's wonderful. I had a chance to see it in previews. It was actually the very first preview, and he didn't want me to come because it was early on in the in the run. But um, it's it's quite something. It's a mixture of video and photograph and talk and music uh, with a wonderful cast, Vanessa Williams and Barbara Cook and Tom Wopat and others. Really fantastic. What we're doing, we wanted to make sure that we celebrated Steve, um, and his work had never been done here before I came. Uh, 2001 was the first time Steve's work had been brought to Ravinia. Um, we wanted to make sure that not only were we celebrating this genius's life and his output, but that we did it in a way that recognized and acknowledged the work that had already been done at Ravinia over the last 10 years. So we brought together the stars of the six shows that we've done, um, and the conductor, Paul Gemignani, and the director, Lonnie Price, to do excerpts from each of these shows. So Sweeney Todd, A Little Night Music, Passion, Sunday in the Park with George, Anyone Can Whistle, and Gypsy, all will be featured in this particular evening with these magnificent artists, all of whom, uh, and you mentioned Patti Lapone and George Hearn and Audrey McDonald and Michael Cerveris is also joining, um, all of whom look at Ravinia as sort of Camp Ravinia. Uh, they come, they relax, they have a great time, they love the beauty of it, they love the fact that they can do fantastic work, and they get to do this with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I mean, who gets to play um, this wonderful work with, a, with an ensemble of this quality? Um, it's really, I, I hope really you rather can, amazing. I hope you can get uh, maybe yeah, get somebody like great performances to videotape this so the whole you world know, can I, see it. We were getting close to making that happen, and then they decided they would tape the New York Philharmonic um, tribute to Steve. Uh, and the reason they did that is they're based there. So it was just simpler for them from a, a technical point of view and a logistical point of view. And it was a really great show, too. I'm not trying to sell it short. In fact, uh, I, when I worked at the New York Philharmonic, we did Sweeney Todd with many of these same folks. And that's what's gotten the New York Phil uh, really into the Sondheim bug. In 1985, they did a, a fantastic concert performance of Follies with um, Carol Burnett and Barbara Cook and, yeah, I uh, think there's a videotape of that around. I've seen yeah, some Harold, of it on uh, YouTube. Uh, Harold Ross directed it, I believe. Um, fantastic. But they hadn't done anything since then, uh, before we did Sweeney. And now they've done um, a couple of other things as well. And it's a great orchestra, too. It's not the Chicago Symphony, but it's, uh, it's a very Well, I'm fun. glad somebody got it, but I was hoping you guys would get it. But yeah. you're, you're also doing Annie Get Your Gun. We are. You know, um, this is a show... Well. Where does this come from? For, it's a show I love. It's hysterically funny. Yeah. The score is just one gem after another. It's one of the great, greatest scores of all times. Uh, no question about it. I mean, really, you know, we did Gypsy with Patty, and Gypsy has Sondheim's lyrics, of course. Yeah. The Get Your Gun doesn't have any Sondheim connection beyond the fact that he reveres it the way we all do. Um, but what the real connection is, is the Ethel Merman part of it, because mm -hmm. nobody since Merman... Um, has been able to explore these amazing roles like Patti LuPone, uh, starting with Anything Goes back at Lincoln Center back in the, gosh, 80s, I guess that was, um, and then Gypsy for us, and then, of course, she went on to Broadway and won the Tony, um, and now And You Get Your Gun, which she's never done before. Isn't she that amazing? She did a, a concert performance of it, sort of, um, 
for a private benefit for Lincoln Center Theater, for my friend Andre Bishop, who runs that place um, 15 years ago, something like that. Um, but she's never done it staged. So this is going to be quite an event. And the fact that we were able to entice Brian Stokes Mitchell to join her, they've never worked together before. And he, of course, is not only a magnificent singer and a great presence on stage, he's really, really funny. And they're both really, really terrific actors. And then at the last minute, just a couple of weeks ago, um, George Hearn called and said, well, could I be in that, too? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, you know, that, well, you're not going to turn an offer down like that. That's no, for sure. no so, that's for sure. Uh, and we just finished the casting, or I think they're finishing the casting right now. We had more people wanting to audition for this show than any of the shows that we've done at Ravinia. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know some. or quadruple. I know some people that went out there. And, oh, uh, good. Yeah, and I told them. Uh, somebody said, what do you think I should? I said, are you kidding? If you can get in a show, you know, hold <laughs> well, the spear. Well, again, you know, or... the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. It's Lonnie Price. It's a marvelous yeah. and very fast director. It's Paul Gemignani. I mean, and, and there isn't anybody in the world that does this music the way Paul does. And thank God you're doing more than one performer. You're doing exactly. three. Exactly. Remember, I mean, we talked last year. I was saying, you got to do more than one, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that, right. You almost you you could probably almost do a run there, except obviously it. Uh, you know, you guys you guys are a tad too busy. Yeah, but, we're a little busy, and and the theater. I mean, it's wonderfully intimate, and you know, this is where the screens are really going to pay off as well. Um, we didn't do a show last year, I don't believe, fully staged, so we haven't really explored this aspect of the pavilion as a theater. You know, as a more than a concert venue. Oh, it's um, so big! So, Your stage is so humongous that you, yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. It, it, you know, to get 110 musicians and a, a chorus up there for a mall or two, you've got to be pretty big. Um, but Lonnie and his set designer and Paul Gemignani have figured out a way of of making the stage. You know, it's a great theater. I remember when we did Sweeney Todd, um, employees at Ravinia, some of who had been here 20, 25 years, they couldn't believe how beautiful it was as an actual legitimate theater. Oh, know? yeah. They yeah. knew it was a great concert venue, but it opened all of our eyes up to the possibilities, most notably and most recently, the Bill T. Jones Lincoln piece that we had last summer, which looked absolutely ravishing on stage. Um, it just, it was so incredible, and, and we were lucky that he and his set designer, uh, Bill and Bjorn, um, really knew how to take that large space and make what turned out to be a very intimate and very personal um, take on on Lincoln and his legacy. Um, that's going to have its New York premiere in a couple of weeks, and a colleague of mine and I were going to go out to see it. Um, and it'll be interesting to see it in a different theater uh, than, than ours. You know, what, you mentioned great performances, and the, the other thing that always fights us, of course, is that we are an outdoor venue. Yeah. So. You never know what the weather's going to do. That's true. That's <laughs> um, true. And that makes, when things are so expensive, like TV, it makes the risk factor just go through the roof, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to keep working on it. but Well, let's Andy get your gun thing. If, you know, if, uh, if there's some independent producer that had the hutzpah to, to maybe take a shot at it. I mean, if you do three nights, I'll bet you you could get a heck of a recording, you know, yeah. you know even if there were some troubles with the weather. And between <laughs> the three of them, you're bound to get one, you know, the show done. Well, and of course, I, you know, I'm probably not supposed to say this, yeah. but when Patty did Gypsy, there were plenty of YouTube performances out there. <laughs> you know, where not people aren't supposed to bring cameras or phones or anything like yeah. that into the theater, but you do get a taste of it. She was and magnificent. In fact, I think I don't know this for sure, but I think it was Arthur Lawrence who got a got wind of the Gypsy that was out here um, and saw a clip of her doing Rose's Turn that convinced him he and his partner, that it was time to mount Gypsy again and to do it with Patty and that it would be 
uh, another legendary. Um, well, all you know, all of us reviewers here all said that too. Yeah. It was like a role she was born to play. No question about yeah. it. Well, let's go on some of the other events uh, that that I mean. Well, you know, we're in that music theater okay. kind of genre. If I could, yeah, sure. something that I don't want people to miss at all um, uh, is our Mozart operas in the Martin Theater. Yes, um, you know, they're two. That's great the indoor theater. Indoor theater, exactly. This is our 850-seat theater. This is the space uh, the size of which Mozart himself would have actually known in Vienna and Prague and other places where his works were done. We're doing Marriage of Figaro, and we're doing Cosi Fantute with casts. I've uh, never seen that, but uh, Marriage of Figaro is one of my favorites. Absolutely. And if you've not seen Nathan Gunn on stage, and if you have seen Nathan Gunn on stage, you're going to want to see him up close and hear him sing. His sense of comic timing, his ability to sing... Um, what he puts across the footlights in terms of personality and character is extraordinary. And his Figaro is Ildebrando D'Arcangelo, who uh, not only a great-looking guy, but a fantastic voice and also a wonderful actor. Um, and they're going to have a wonderful, wonderful time in this very. When are those? Day. When are those shows? August six, seven. August five, six, seven, eight. We run them back to back. So I think um, we start with Cozy on Thursday night, the fifth of August, and the next night is Figaro. Then on the weekend, the Saturday and Sunday, we do a matinees of each at 1 o'clock. Cozy on Saturday at 1 and Sunday at 1 um, for, for Figaro. Gee. And the reason why we wanted to do that was not only because people like different start times and, you know, different times to go to things and people love matinees. But the, the thing with a matinee that's really been a, a, a boon for folks is, you know, other than New York, there are very few cities in, in the country where people go out to dinner or go out for drinks after a performance because it's just too late. Um, mm-hmm. the operas run city. late, yes. So here's a chance for you to come and see a great Figaro at 1 o'clock. It'll be done by 4, a little bit after 4. You can go to supper and be with your friends and, and actually savor the experience over a glass of wine and a beautiful meal. Um, That's a and, great and, idea. And, and talk about it, which is one of the great things about going to performances, after all. So. Yeah, so, so true. Well, in the interest of time, because we're rolling along here, but, boy, you really have a lot. You're doing, a, a, Peter and Paul are doing a tribute to Mary. They are. You know, they, Peter, Paul, and Mary have been at Ravinia forever, and it was such a tragic thing to watch Mary Travers go through these health challenges, and she came to us twice while battling the cancer, but um, it, it, it sadly finally took her uh, last summer. So I asked the guys if they would come and, and remember her for us, um, and they're doing a couple of these dates, very, very few, actually, throughout the country, so... We were fortunate to to have that happen. July twentieth, isn't it? I That's have, right. Yeah, yeah. I got to make sure I I get to that because I I've saw them many times and from I think I was like ten years old the first time I saw them. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. They they are they are are something. That they should are. Be. And in a lineup of you know we always try to bring as much variety as we can to everything we do. But this summer on the non classical side, uh, we have over fifty debut artists this summer. It's, it's never happened that way, um, and I, I'd like to say I designed it that way. It just sort of happened. Um, but many of the artists that we've been wanting to bring to Ravinia, who are far from new artists but have never played the part before, Earth, Wind, and Fire this Sunday, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, the Moody Blues, people have been asking for these oh, bands Moody for 35 Blues years. You know? yeah. um, and it's exciting that we finally have them. And of course, Sting is coming, um, one of not only the, the biggest artists we've ever had, if not the largest famous artists that we have in our history, um, but one of the major international concert tours of the summer, along with uh, the U2 tour and uh, the Eagles tour and things like that. We're very proud to have two nights with him, uh, the fastest sellout 
in our in our history. Um, wow. Cheryl Crow's coming back with Colby Calais, wonderful young artist. Uh, fun things like Cheap Trick with Squeeze. Um, Carrie Underwood's coming back. She had such a good time last year. She actually asked to come back. She told the audience she would be coming back um, when she played for us last summer. Nelly Furtado, one of my favorite artists, making her debut. Um, and on and on and on. You mentioned Hershey Felder and his yeah. tribute to Leonard Bernstein. He's doing, yeah, a, Leonard Bernstein, yeah. It's a very wistful year in a lot of ways in that it well, was 20 yeah. years ago that both Copeland and Bernstein passed away. Um, so we're acknowledging that by playing music of, of both gentlemen. They were very close friends, of course. That one of the things that's somewhat theatrical that we're doing with that um, is not only a vocal suite from Candide, all the hits from Bernstein's Candide, um, and we'll also be doing uh, Appalachian Spring in its both oh, original 13-instrument version and the full orchestra version. But next week, marvelous um, uh, uh, modern dance company in Chicago, CDI, Concert Dance Inc. Yeah, I've noticed you've be... got a few dance uh, ensembles coming this We do. Yeah. We have them and the, in Bennett Gordon Hall, our 400-seat theater, and then we also, from Mazatlan, in our tip of the hat to this big year for the country of Mexico, a big anniversary year for Mexico, uh, Delphos. Uh, dance, contemporary dance is coming from Mazatlan. But next week with CDI, they're going to be doing uh, choreography for uh, El Salón Mexico, one of uh, uh, Copeland's greatest pieces. And it's a piece that Bernstein loved, and he did a two-piano arrangement um, of Salón Mexico. So that's going to be choreographed, again, part of our Bernstein-Copeland-Mexico tribute for this year. Wow, that's... i got to ask you, how in the world do you, can you guys organize so many events <laughs> You know, like you're doing 79 days, you said over 100 and some yeah. events. How in the world are, can you guys give us an idea of what goes into putting these things on? Because you have one thing, and then the next day it's a whole other group. That's right. Yeah. And um, it's going to be a particular uh, challenge, but one I know this marvelous staff who work here are up to. Um, we have a day in August where there's a piano recital, a dance performance, and Carrie Underwood all on the same day. Wow. Um, we have many days, and we always have had many days, where we do a children's performance um, and an evening thing. But we've got some double and triple days of things back-to-back that uh, I, I don't think will tax in any way the staff. They'll figure out how to do it, but it is going to be a new adventure. You know, we're, we're blessed with fantastic folks that love this place so much, from our volunteer trustee and boards and our junior associates to the staff itself. And somehow they just make it happen. From a planning point of view, um, as you might know, the classical music world plans much further ahead than the pop world or the, the rock world. So you basically put your classical offerings together first. Much of our planning for 2011 is already in place um, on the classical side. And then you fit everything on, in around it as you go along. Well, that, gives you a, that gives you a pattern to work with. Huh? That's right. That's right. And you want to get... We actually try to break as much as we possibly can because what we don't want to do is become formulaic. You know, this is when we do jazz. This is when we do dance. This is when we do pop music. This is when the CSO is with us. We want to mix it up as much as possible, not to confuse people, but to keep it fresh. No, you, you certainly have, because I, I spent a lot of time today in the last few days going through your schedule, and boy, it's, it is amazing variety. Well, thank you very and, much. And I'll tell you, folks, you got to get out to Ravinia. Uh, you can go to ravinia.org, and all the information is there. And it is such a great time. Train goes right there. It, 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 you'll just have nothing but a good time. And well, yeah, the website is a great place to yeah. learn all about the park, how it's laid out logistically, our various theaters, plus, of course, all the concert information you'd want. We, uh, the staff, spent a particular good long time 
focusing on the Chicago Symphony Orchestra concerts this summer. And I think you'll find as you go to each page on the, the website for each concert, um, a wealth of information about the repertoire and, and the artists. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. You guys have one of the best websites around. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank I mean, you. It really a great is. team. And they, 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 they're, they're tweaking it every single day. It's amazing. Uh, really remarkable. Well, folks, uh, make sure you, you put Ravinia in your plans. It's, it's probably one of the more unique experiences for the performing arts. And Wells, thank you so much. A real pleasure. Thanks for the time. Mm-hmm. 